I am excited to announce I just recently launched my first ebook. It's all about how to work with influencers with no budget. It is $9.99 and it is available on www.don'tcallmegirlboss.com. In this ebook, I literally go over my exact formula to how to work with influencers. And I get questions. This is probably the number one question I get is how I work with the influencers I do. And there is a strategy and there are things you need to have in place before you just go out and start reaching out to influencers. So if you are interested and want to get into the influencer space, which I highly recommend, I have built my entire business off of working with influencers. That's how I've built my credibility and that's how I've built that cool factor. So if you are interested in that, go ahead and go to don'tcallmegirlboss.com and the ebook is on there for $9.99. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Don't Call Me Girl Boss. This week it is Thanksgiving. And I know there are so many restrictions in so many different states telling you not to spend time with your family and all these extra precautions. So I hope with whatever decision you made that you had a great and wonderful Thanksgiving and ate so much food. I have my mother-in-law in town and we did a big feast by the time that we're hearing this podcast. So I'm just ex- Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. So I'm just excited for the holidays to begin and I hope you are as well. And I just wanted to talk a little bit. I know there are new shutdowns and just new lockdowns going on right now. And people are kind of scared again of having their business shut down. And I just wanted to remind everyone that we did this before. If you are getting shut down or are worried about it, just remind yourself you've got through it before. I'm sure they're going to release another PPP loan. I will be the first one to give you all that information when it comes out. I promise I will hold everyone's hand through that and hope as many business owners apply as possible. I um, Also, there's going to probably be unemployment that people can apply for again when that goes around. And also, you know, we pivoted before. And if not, it is time to seriously thinking about getting on your website and doing online sales, online retail to generate more income for yourself. Do something that you can sell online that's related to the business you are already in and just try to make money that way. There are plenty of things that we can do and once the once the lockdown's over and we are able to reopen, it becomes another revenue stream for you that you never thought about having or it has become stronger than it was before. So just hang in there and just remind yourself that everyone is going through it right now And we just have to hang in there and be the entrepreneurs and business owners that we are and just hustle through it and do everything we can. This week I have on my real estate agent from Austin, Texas that actually helped us find our house. We found her through um, our Airbnb host. They used her to buy their house. And so Jonathan, my boyfriend, actually bought our house. And so he reached out to them asking who they used and they said, go through Ashley And we are so glad we did. We loved Ashley. She made the process so easy and she just knows so much. She has really held at our hand, especially for moving from California to Austin. She had to do a lot for us because we weren't able to always fly in. So having her was amazing. And what I really like about Ashley is she goes over the top for her clients. So for example, right now she was giving a pie, literally (laughs) dropping off pies to everyone's house that had referred her a client this year. And also what she's done is a year after purchasing your home, 
she will send you a uh, hand-painted drawing of your house by a local artist in Austin. These are just a few things that she does throughout the year to really make her clients just happy that they worked with her. And I think we have so much to learn from this kind of strategy. And Ashley is a great real estate agent, one of the best real estate agents in Austin. So I'm just excited for you to hear her story, why she does the things she does, how she built a successful business, why she needs a team now. Um, she travels a lot, how she balances that, and just so much more. Oh, and she's also renovating a house right now. So we'll go through that process of actually renovations because I've been through it and it is a nightmare. So, and she deals with it a lot. So I just can't wait for you guys to hear everything that she has to say. So without further ado, here is Ashley. I'm doing good. Um, you know, I mean, as good as 2020 can be. I guess it just depends on what we're referring to, really. I just got kicked <laughs> in the face today by 2020. I have a salon in California and my tenant oh, no. um said that she's moving her stuff out today and she's not paying rent which is due in two days mm. <laughs> and uh, i gave that's... her a break the previous month because i was trying to help her out so that was 2020 yep. kicking me in the face today yes um is it i mean legally is she even allowed to do that no no but she was like basically like good luck getting anything from me is what she said so oh oh okay well let's her I know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not one for suing, but because I believe in karma. But sometimes it's like, uh, you're screwing me over, Missy. I know. So karma's gonna come back to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's a shame. But that was my experience with 2020 this year. <laughs> it's oh, okay. I hope. I hope you find a tenant. Me too. Post. I'm sure I will. I've never had an issue. But how has 2020 been to you? 2020 obviously has made me realize a lot of stuff. So, like, it's been really busy with work, which is great, but it's also made me realize that work is not the end-all, be-all, or most important thing in my life, but it's really hard to stop that, that, that mentality, that mindset, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Especially so, with, I feel like, how successful and just hardworking you are. Yes. And, that, well, it's like, that's where a lot of validation comes from. So, uh, you know, the other day, um, I had this, like kind of giving this life coach a trial run and mm -hmm. one of the journal prompt questions she gave me is what's most important to you in life and it's really sad because I feel like what is actually most important to me and how I actually live my life are two different things so it made me kind of really of course because we're in that phase right now of the year right where we start thinking and reflecting and um, what am I going to do differently next year and New Year's resolutions and all that stuff and as I'm also business planning right now so as I think of that I'm like maybe my goals next year aren't so much of like hitting all my numbers, but more so taking all my vacation, like being disconnected yeah. more and that kind of thing. So, well, I feel like as when you get to a point where you're successful and buying everything that you want to buy and you know, you're not stressed about all those things, like when mm -hmm. is enough enough? It's not <laughs> ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it has more so to do with, I mean, I think that sometimes it's just wired in me and I've talked to like other entrepreneurs that are like that and I've been like when am I just going to be content they're like you're not <laughs> yeah but I but I disagree I, I think that um I don't know I think it's like about defining success right what does success look like to you and I remember a couple of years ago being like I want, I want my success to be like more connection 
with my friends and family and like more vacations, like disconnected vacations equals like your success. successes and financial freedom. And it is eventually. Yes. Yeah. But like just bit by bit for sure. So yeah. yeah. Where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Texas? Um, I grew up in South Texas. So Victoria, Texas. And then we like my parents, you know, my dad's in the oil field and my mom's a nurse. So very blue collar background, but we moved outside of Corpus in eighth grade. So I went to like, I grew up in a small South Texas town and then moved to another small South Texas town and graduated from there. But my parents had split and moved back to Victoria. So all my family's in Victoria, Texas. Okay. Not, not, not much going on there. <laughs> and what were you doing as a kid? Were you, what were you into? Were you playing sports? Um, let's see. What wasn't I into? I was the oldest and I'm the oldest by quite a bit. And I feel like when, I mean, I did, you know, student council, sports, cheerleading. I did powerlifting, which is kind of rare and not heard of, but it was pretty strong. So I remember one of the coaches being like, you want to come power lift? And I quit softball to, to do lifting. And I was pretty good at it. Um, and then just always had to end practice early to kind of get home and take care of my siblings. Cause my, my dad was always gone working and then my mom worked nights. So I would be like the, I feel like this is where I get my boss mentality, right? It's like, come home, make sure they do their homework, feed them, do the dishes, put them to bed, you know, give them a bath, put them to bed and then start on my own homework. That was like the routine. Wow. How many siblings did you have? Just one of each. I have okay. a brother and a sister, but they're quite a bit younger, six years and nine years younger than me. Now oh, that is enough for you to take on that responsibility. Mm-hmm. So I, of course, hated it at the time. I mean, I, it was fine until, you know, you get to that age where you start getting invited to do stuff. And then you find out your mom volunteered you to babysit on New Year's Eve and things like that. And I would just be so mad. And then now, then I remember going off to college and being really grateful for it. Like grateful for my independence, knowing how to do laundry, just knowing how to pay bills and do things that other kids kind of didn't know how to do that I was, that was on my plate as a, a high schooler. What did you want to be out of high school? Um, let's see. High school, I think I... I didn't quite know, but I knew I wanted to do something with like advertising um, with something like with marketing or advertising. And so I ended up going to college at Texas state and I majored in mass communication and I had, a, I, I marketed, sorry, I enjoyed advertising and marketing. And then we did, um, so there's something called the NSAC. It's like this big competition and you try out to be on the team. And then every year on your second semester counts as a class, you put together a campaign. And so that's when I had put together this whole media campaign. I also had an internship in New York city in media. So there was like media planning and buying is like when you do the research to, and kind of tell the client where to put their dollars, like, Oh, we're targeting women from this age to this age. So we need to put our money in on this show and, etc. It was okay. a great, great experience. And then we ended up winning nationals. Oh, um, wow. My college, yeah, senior year and the account was Yahoo. So that was really cool. And then moved to Kansas City right after that and worked at an ad agency for about a year. Oh, wow. So you went straight to college from high school? Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And just kind of never looked back because I went to Texas State and I loved Austin. I waited tables in Austin while at Texas State. I worked at Gap. I was an RA. I just kept pretty busy with working and going to school. And then for some reason, I was in a rush to graduate in four years. I really look back on that now and think, why did I do that? (laughs) (laughs) But why um, were you in a rush to get out to the madness? I have always been in a rush to grow up. Even my parents say that. Even as a kid, I was, I was like, don't have that. Becky was like our housekeeper when my mom worked nights in junior high. I was like, don't have Becky do my laundry. I, I need to learn to do my own laundry. <laughs> what, kid, what kid says that? <laughs> yeah, that is not yeah. normal. So yeah, but I, I just enjoyed marketing a lot. And then the New York City internship was awesome. And it, it's so funny. Do you remember when all those movies were out about, you know, it was like Mel Gibson, What Women Want. And there was a couple mm-hmm. other movies, like it just dramatized. And then you have Mad Men, everything like, Uh, dramatizes the ad agency as this like really cool place to work but it's not that cool and (laughs) you don't make that much money I was so poor (laughs) so you were in New York you took a full-time job how was that no in New York was the internship full-time job came from um, me and another girl on that team um, got the job at the advertising agency so we moved to Kansas City I didn't know anybody or, you know, except for her. And I had never been in snow before. So that was all new. And I didn't last very long. I mean, it was great. It was great in the sense of like, you know, getting a little dose of like the corporate world, but I'm not going to lie. It wasn't for me. You know, you're making 23K, I think, coming out of college at that time. I ended up, um, I ended up babysitting like four nights a week. I stayed with this one family and babysat Tuesday, Wednesday, and this other family Friday, Saturday. So I still had no life, but I just, the cube life is what I call it was not for me. I'm just like, okay, I think I remember feeling coming out of college and thinking, you know, oh, this is going to be so exciting. Oh, this new job. And then it's basically like you drive to work, you go to work, you go to the gym, you, you eat and you go to bed. And that was it. And it was just, I was on spreadsheets all day and a little cube and, you know, we had a good company culture, but I just remember thinking, this is it. I need to be challenged more. I need to be tested on something. This is, this is what life is. And I mean, sadly, it's kind of true, but I just knew that that's not what I was really enjoying and like as passionate about as I had thought. So I felt very much after a year of working there, I moved back to Austin and took a job as a party planner actually and I remember thinking like yeah I just I I want to work for myself <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is not making I get especially since I was just such a hard worker and great with people and I wanted a little bit more variety and challenge so I got my real estate license and then the market crashed <laughs> <laughs> what made you go into real estate it's kind of interesting when I came back to Austin from Kansas city, I kind of remember exploring different things. I remember I, you know, just took the initiative and I started asking people, what do you think I would be good at? What do you think I should do? And I like shadowed a few people and I thought about doing HR and I thought about doing recruiting. And then I, I don't remember what it was, but I just remember like, I should get my real estate license. And so I, I'm a classroom learner, not much of the online learner. 
so I took classes. So I did classes by day and waited tables by night. And I did that for a very long time in my real estate career. But um, went to the Austin Institute of Real Estate. You know, it was just really close to my apartment at the time. And yeah, I was like, oh, real estate, this will be so great. I can do all of this. <laughs> <laughs> so you said um, you waited tables a long time. Did you, while you were building your clientele, you were waiting tables? Yes. Until, I mean, I'll be honest, I probably could have quit a lot sooner. So a little background. I feel like I'm talking so much. Um, no, this is good. You're mainly meant to talk. I'm mainly meant to listen. Okay. So let's see. Got my license around 2008 and became an assistant to someone. Market, that's pretty much right when the like, you know, financial crisis happened and things bottomed out. But, you know, I, after that did leasing and worked for 512 Realty. And then I went over to Berkshire Hathaway, which used to be um, Prudential. And I was on a team with a couple different agents. So I've always kind of waited tables. Like even, I mean, I look back at high school, waited tables, college waited tables. And so that was just my main source of income as I- Well, it's the smartest way to make money when you don't have a lot of time. I totally. really do. I, mean, I, I regret make... not doing that when I was I younger. Make... 20 to $40 an hour. Sometimes I, I, I worked, um, I worked downtown at Zetaos. I worked at the Arboretum for a bit. Then I worked at Zetaos downtown and I had got my license and was just on a team and just learning the best I can. And a lot of people ask me that too. Where, where would you start? And I'm like on a team. It's how you can have open houses and learn the lingo and be, and get a mentor. And so I learned a lot from doing that and it would just, yeah, be on the grind on the day and then leave around four, go to the, restaurant, change my clothes, work my party, come home, crank out some emails. I used to get in trouble all the time because the manager would come downstairs and I'd be in the back on the phone, be trying to negotiate a deal or (laughs) (laughs) just trying to um, solve something. And it was so hard. I was always on my email, on my phone in trouble a lot, but I was like, I have to, I have this deal. I'm so sorry. So eventually I started you know, I feel like my first sale wasn't for a few years. Um, I, for, I originally I kind of started out with just marketing to my friends and doing a lot of leases, showed a lot of apartments, duplexes, houses for my friends, helped them with their rental. And then that just kind of translate as you pick up business and just keep building that database. I started finally getting more clients and being on a team certainly helped too. And then in 2014, I remember... And it's just kind of funny. This is, this goes back to like always my, my advice of being consistent. I used to do these newsletters through constant contact. And anytime I would get some newsletters, then I would put in the people I was getting the newsletters from into my newsletter. And one day Jonathan Boatwright writes me back and he is the broker and owner of Realty Austin. And he was like, these are really great newsletters. And I wrote him back and I was like, I didn't even know who he was. I was like, I see his emails all the time. So I'm going to send him an email. I was like, thanks. They take me a long time. I've been doing them for a couple of years now. And he's like, what if you came to a brokerage that had the newsletters crafted for you and sent out for you? And I was just like, which brokerage? And he's like, you know, <laughs> Realty Austin, you know? And so we, um, I went in there to meet and I remember it was one of those things where I was, doing well in real estate on my own, but I still was holding on to that waiting tables job, that two, two times a week, good party money, you know, shift every Friday night, I worked a rehearsal dinner 
And he was, you know, kind of the caveat, like, if you come to Realty Austin, you have to be a full-time agent. You have to keep your numbers up. You have to be experienced, blah, blah, blah. And we had a little meeting and I had a meeting with the market manager and I was like, all right, I'm doing it. I'm finally going to quit my waiting tables job. And it's just funny. I don't know why I didn't do that sooner. Right. <laughs> it's your like, like security blanket, you know, it's hard to oh, let go totally. or no, when to know exactly mm-hmm. when to go all in. It's a scary thing. It is so scary because, and sometimes you do have to like sink a little to swim, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm glad I, I did it. I was like, okay, I'm putting in my two weeks and the end of May, um, 2014, I was done and like all set up with Realty Austin and just kind of rocking and rolling. And I'm so glad I did because now I've been there, what, six years. So yeah. How did you, in the beginning, how did you choose what brokerage to go to? Great question. Um, when you're a licensed realtor, you can pretty much work anywhere that they'll take you. Right. And of course, everybody wants you. So the key, in my opinion, is interviewing a lot of different people and then going with that brokerage. Not many agents do that. They kind of go to the first one or a lot of agents go to Keller Williams because Keller Williams is really big on training, like rah, rah, like, you know, just kind of, um, just kind of hooking you in honestly with all their, their classes and training. But I think my, my girlfriend, Emily was like getting her license at the time. And she's like, Oh, there's another guy in our office who needs an assistant. And then the ironic part of that today is that now Eric is at Realty Austin as well. But um, <laughs> I see their signs everywhere on every yes. house. I feel like it's Realty Austin. Well, we are the largest independent brokerage in Austin. Um, I will say this. It's I like their story, too, though. You know, um, Jonathan and Yvette are, brokerage, are our owners and they were dating back in the day over 10 years ago. Right. And he's the. He's the nerd, the Microsoft nerd. And like, let me build you a website. And she was the hardworking realtor and she got a lot of business. Then she had to hire someone and then she had to hire somebody else. Then she had to hire somebody else. And finally they were just like, he's like, do you want me to quit my job? And let's run, (laughs) let's run a brokerage. And then they started Realty Austin and we grew and grew. And then, um, was that last year or two years ago? Two years ago, we, they bought out Riley Realtors, which is a very similar brokerage to us. So we, I think we got about 80 of their agents to come over. It's a great company because many real estate's very old school. There's a lot of things that are still very old school about it, how it's run, the lack of like branding and cohesiveness. And I think our company is run like a tech company that happens to sell real estate. We have staff members, we have a good company culture, we give back. So there's just really no other place in Austin like it, if I'm being honest. There's a couple other ones, but right now in my career, I just don't see myself trying to reinvent the wheel or go out on my own. I am a broker, so I technically could go out on my own, but why? Why do all that work when I have it so great here, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, to go back to your question though, you can work pretty much anywhere you feel is a good fit. my, I, you know, I've, I've talked to a couple new agents here and there. I really enjoy that, by the way. I like collaborating with um, other realtors and try to do that quite a bit with my Realty Austin people. But every now and then I have a friend who's like, my brother just got his license. Will you talk to him? And I'm like, sure. And just kind of sit down. Like, what do you really want? What do you, what does this look like to you? You know, what are they giving you? So like, you just kind of have to think about what, what's in your needs, but I usually don't recommend um, a new agent just go off and try to sell on their own because it's quite difficult, especially if you're not from a corporate or sales background. 
um, or any kind of real estate at all. So that's good to know. Yeah. I think being on a team is always like a great, a great start because you get a lot of um, support and feedback and um, not many teams are structured with like a salary, but I think for a lot of people that would be a great place to start because it's just, you go from making something to nothing when you get into real estate. So there's some people (laughs) who start with a salary and then there's some that start with commission. There are some teams, so it'll be totally up to, you know, the person as I, my, when I first started my team, my, my, I shouldn't say employees, because technically they'd be contract workers were all commission based. And then as you get more settled and you have more of a plan, it is much easier to structure things in my opinion with a salary. But most of the time um, when brokers Brokers are 100% commission. Being on a team is when you're working under an agent that's at a brokerage. There's lots of teams because it's there's just so many moving parts in real estate. So I can't, it's hard to do it all on your own. Yeah. I know. I see you built a team. You have like a marketing girl um, mm-hmm. and then you have two agents. One, I, th- I remember I was like stalking your Instagram a little bit and it was yeah. like, um, you have just a buyer Yes, and buyer's agent. So the typical rule of thumb, and everyone's different, and this is kind of what I like to talk to my a lot of my peers about when they're like, I'm ready to hire an assistant. What do I do? What's my first step? It's so hard. I think you have to really sit down and think, what do I need the most? And for me, my first hire was back in 20, like actually 2013, I had someone kind of helping me. And then no, because it was already at Realty Austin. I think it was shortly after I was at Realty Austin because my business really took off after going there and um, making the move there and, and putting all the action items into place. And so your first hire typically is an admin. If you are a top producing realtor, this is like out of Gary Keller's like millionaire real estate agent book or whatever. So your first one is an admin. It's typically someone very opposite of you. So if you are really... Um, crazy and outgoing. You kind of want someone to bring you down that keeps you organized, right? And that is exactly what I needed. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, first I started off with like kind of an hourly assistant, someone to help me and and whatnot. Then usually your second hire is to help with buyers because buyers take up a little bit more time. You're in the car more. And especially in this market, it's so competitive. It's like you have to move fast and you can't be two places at one all the time. Mm -hmm. At once all the time. So, um, so yeah, Tasha is my, my assistant. She works from home. She's on salary and she just kind of helps with like everything. She's kind of our catch all. She knows how to do everything and help with everything. But, um, she predominantly is helps me with scheduling, helps our clients with scheduling, making sure everybody kind of gets what they need, like from inspectors to showings to anything. Right. And then she helps with the listing side of all the paperwork and things that, that go into a listing. And then my buyer's agent is now um, Sydney. So a buyer's agent is basically someone who's going to be showing the buyers and doing that. Most of the time, buyer's agents are set up in like a salaried only kind of position. And then what do you focus on? I'm sorry, I said salaried only commission. I meant commission. Okay. So I'm still kind of the visionary, right? I still, I, I train everyone. And then it's kind of funny. We have like a flow chart of all of this an org chart, if you will. And it's like, I still, I'm trying to let go, but I still, of course, have my hand in every pot, (laughs) like from marketing decisions to listing to buyers. So I still show homes. 
It just depends on the area. So we just kind of break it up. It depends on the area and, and the time, right? If somebody needs to go see a house because the house at the market, if if my calendar's full and Sydney's not, she'll go. Or if it's, you know, north of 45 or south of Ben White, she'll go. I, I typically stick to central and east um, and west. And so it really just depends on time. And then um, we all know how to write offers. And then I would just say in general, because I've been doing it the longest, right? I have the harder conversations and the more difficult things that pop up. So anytime something happened, oh, we, um, what's an example? This appraisal's low, what, what's next? It's like, okay, then I get on the phone and we try to work through the issue, you know, or the, just the tip, just the harder, I guess, obstacles that come up. Everything else, if done correctly and prep the buyer correctly or seller correctly, it moves pretty smooth. But there's just some things that are always going to happen that are a little out of your control in real estate. So, and then recently, because I do love marketing and I do a lot of the marketing, I do all the, my social media, I did all of our, just everything. When I, I used to plan events and host them at my house and think of everything and I used to do it all. I mean, it was just exhausting. So I finally decided to hire a marketing coordinator to help me with all of this. So I just recently, she's like, she's a friend of a friend. So it's kind of funny how, how many people I've met from my gym <laughs> that I've sold homes to. And I don't even go to that gym anymore. I haven't gone in a couple of years, but it's like, I've sold everyone a house at the gym. And then now I hired somebody there to work for me. So it works out. I'm like, this is good gym. the best decision ever. Yeah. It's all about the community. High so. ROI. <laughs> <laughs> all those monthly fees paid off, right? Yeah. So when you are building a team, how does that work? Are they all under Realty Austin or do you have like an LLC and they work under you? So just like any small business owner. So it's tricky in real estate. Yes, I have an LLC, right? So Ashley Brinkman LLC pays um, one employee and two contract positions and myself, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to be from for an LLC to pay another LLC in real estate, I had to be a broker. So I got my LLC a while back, but then I could finally start being paid from Realty Austin to my LLC once I got that set up. That's a whole like oh, tax, that's a whole tax confusion type of stuff that you just have to do um, in the real estate, real estate realm. And yeah, I mean, I think you had asked me this kind of prior, like, how do you know when to hire assistant? What's the next step? I think that when you get super busy and you see how much income is coming in, it's like, first, I always had somebody do my taxes every year. And then it was like, okay, now this is getting out of hand. Like, I don't, I have so many like automated things I'm paying to for marketing or for this or for my photos. And um, then I finally was, I paid for a bookkeeper, right? So now I have someone kind of hand, handling that. And the typical rule of thumb, I think for real estate is like once you're selling around 6 million in real estate, it's time for maybe an assistant. And I just kind of knew it was time for an assistant because I remember being up till 2 a.m. working and then I'd be up in the morning. I remember answering an email at 2 a.m. And then the next morning I got a call and, and the man said, I didn't expect you to answer. You sent that email at, at 2 a.m. last <laughs> night. And what are you, what are you doing up? And I'm like, I'm still working. It's very busy right now. So I think it's just when things start to be feel out of control or I would say in words of like advice, it would be 
before they get out of control, when you sense, wow, like this is doing great. I want to do more, but I want to have more of a life. I need to hire someone. Sorry, that was my dog barking. No, it's okay. How <laughs> did you get your first sale? You sold your first home like a few years after you started. How did you get that first sale? What was that experience like? Mm. I don't remember where Paula came from. I definitely remember my first sale. Um, something that's fun, a funny story about Paula is, you know, she called me one day. I don't know how she got my number. I think she was like looking online and I didn't even have a listing. So she somehow accidentally clicked on my number or whatever or something, found me through the website and asked if I could show her a property. And I was like, sure. And I, I run across town and I go show up to show her a house a condo actually on the East river side, that was a short sale, a dump, a total dump. And that, you know, it was 2009. So super common, um, short sales and foreclosures. And I get there and my little key that used to open up the lockbox, I didn't charge it. So I couldn't show her the house. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I remember people telling you, no one's ever going to ask you how long you've been in real estate. Don't worry about that. Just fake it till you make it. And then the first question out of her mind, out of her mouth was, how long have you been doing this? <laughs> You're like, great. I was like, um, you know, like a, a, a year. <laughs> so, um, but no, she was my first sale and I navigated that well because I had a good mentor at the time that I was on his team and he helped me th- with the contract and everything. And, um, and it's funny because just this year I just sold her house and helped her buy another one. So I was like, man, look at you. After all these years, you're still trusting in me. And she's like, I had faith. So <laughs> it's it only takes that, one person to have faith in the beginning. Right. Well, and it's just funny. It's about being consistent, right? Because, you know, we, I, she's just seen my newsletters for the past, you know. Well, and she's remembered you after years. all these years. Mm-hmm. So it's well, you funny. don't, you don't go out of someone's mind. Like we s- get all of your stuff. Like, I don't think we ever, you know, once a month we, we're thinking about you because your newsletter or, you know, something. Yeah. I mean, like our value, like, the, yes, I send gifts and postcards. I mean, obviously it's a very competitive industry. It's a very competitive, competitive in Austin as well. Um, because so many people sell in here. Like, I think the average person in Austin knows 12 realtors or something crazy. So I feel like my, you know, when I kind of sat down and wrote our values um, a couple of years ago, like what, what do I really want to achieve, I guess? And what, what do I want to bring to the table? It's one, I want to educate our clients and it doesn't even have to be our clients, just anybody like, well, this is my experience. I want to be transparent and educate. And two, I do like sending gifts. So mm-hmm. And then something my marketing, my, um, I have a, I use Katie, Katie Dreyer with Dreyer Creative. I mean, I've literally, she's helped me with every Christmas card since I was like, you know, a newbie realtor. And she always told me the two things you have to do when you start marketing yourself is, you know, you have to show a little bit of yourself and you, you have to show evidence of success. People want to work with other, with people who know that they are successful. And so it's, I was like, I feel like I'm bragging. She's like, you're not just trust me, like show people all the homes you sell. I'm like, okay. I feel like I'm bragging. Well, a lot, it's like but... me, like I have to show that I'm spray tanning influencers. Like that's like kind mm-hmm. of like equivalent. Like I have to have that cool factor. I have to be like, well, if you can get that client or if you can sell that house, mm-hmm. they mu- you must be good at it. Yep. 
if you can close that many houses in one month, wow, you like have your systems down for sure. Yeah. I think, I think the, the, the hard part though too is, you know, and you'll, you'll hear this eventually, right. There gets to be a point where somebody says, you just always seem so busy. I thought you were too busy for me. And it's like, no, never too busy for you. Okay. Maybe I am a little busy, but uh, you know, you never want anyone to really think that. Yeah. Like spray tanning. It's like, oh, you got to be completely booked tonight. I'm like, um, actually I'm not like, please book with me. (laughs) It's like, just cause I have X amount of followers or I spray tan this influencer doesn't mean I'm booked every night. It's just not how it is. Yep. Yeah. And I think it's, well, and a lot of it is, um, I don't know, being the, the balance and the struggle is just being available, but not too available or you're going to lose like your dating. Mind. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it is like dating a hundred percent. Yeah. No, I'm there, but know that I'm also might be on the phone. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is your marketing strategy? Like what is like what you say, you write the things down and come with visions. Like what is your strategy when it comes to marketing? Oh, I don't know. I know it's a super broad question. Yeah. Um, If I had to like pinpoint it, well, something I really enjoy doing, I always have, and it's just been kind of, I think just a part of my business is handwritten notes. Um, I think that remember, like just remembering people and thinking of them, but letting them know your thought of them. And, but that is also just my personality in general. Sometimes it's really hard for me to express something in the moment. Like when I'm like face to face with somebody, like I have sympathy, but maybe lack a little empathy or don't know how to, what to say at the time. And then a lot of times I'm just better at gathering my words kind of later and saying like, Oh, you know, or it just like, sometimes it's just really small things. Um, so I love handwritten notes and I just love, you know, you have to kind of just remember people. I feel like it's more of a, um, I, I want to say just, I try to be authentic about it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes I sense. don't really, so if, if, I, if I had a strategy, it would just be like, you know, of course I try to always do a little on Instagram, a little on Facebook or LinkedIn. I don't really have like a hardcore game plan of like, I have to post this many times and hit this many people a month. It's just very like, like if, if you follow me on social media and I talk about different things, it's everything that I talk about is because it just happened like that week. So we've, I've tried to plan ahead before, like, Oh, we're going to cover this and this. It, a lot of all my content comes from, you know, I had a buyer who was signed a buyer's rep agreement with somebody and then they cheated on them and then they signed it with me. And then that agent calls me and they said, um, you're working with my client. I'm like, they're my client. And so then I, that lead me to have a video about this is what a buyer's rep agreement is, you know, or, and, and just when people ask me questions, why should I use a realtor when buying a new house? I'm like, that's a great question. I should make a post about it and a blog about it and a infographic about it, you know? Mm -hmm. So all of it kind of comes naturally, but I would say my number one goal is to just educate and inform people. Um, I think that when you look at um, infomercials and stuff, there's something kind of referring to giving away the nugget and he's like, don't give away the nugget. You know, that's people want that, that way they'll still call you. And I give away nuggets all the time because well, it's like I think Gary Vee, how- he does that. He says, just tell him everything. Yeah. Because it's really interesting. I will have, you know, followers or whatever that have realtors. And then I think what happens is as you show your experience and show your value and show your worth, 
and they're talking to their realtor and they're like, Oh, our realtor didn't say that. Our realtor didn't know that. And then they want to work with you. You know, well, you came off as an expert. Like I really trust everything that you're saying. I'm like, Ashley's an expert. When I think of a realtor, I'm like, she knows what she's talking about, but it's because you come up with these factual things on social media and it is educating. And it's like, you're giving me exactly what you said. Well, I appreciate that. I'm not a total expert. There's still lots of things I don't know, but I will say I'm, I, I'm usually the first to admit if I don't know, I'm like, huh, I, I am just super grateful for the company I work for though. You know, when you have 500 agents and you have a lot of experience. So there's so many times that I'm like, you know, if this person's on the deed and this, you know, this happened, but this old seller said this, what can I do? And I can usually figure things out and walk people through it. But I've also found that just being transparent about things you don't know, or a lot of it is always the, you know, the quote, well, in my experience, you know, in my experience, mm-hmm. most new homes are going to take a little bit longer. Doesn't mean yours will. I just want you to be prepared that it might take a little longer than they said. Yeah. So. And we talked a little bit about gifts. I, we obviously bought our house through you. Well, Jonathan mm-hmm. bought our house. So we know exactly <laughs> what you give throughout the year. But like, if someone who's listening, like, what is it that you give gifts throughout the year from January to December? Like, what is your gift giving? Do you have like birthdays or what is it you do? Um, I started with homeowner anniversaries because I think it's important to remind your clients And I've actually like kind of switched up my plans over the years because as you get more clients, it's just harder to keep track of everyone. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and to spend the money. I used to give these amazing closing gifts. I'm not going to lie. And then we decided let's invest in our client throughout the year versus this like doormat and a bottle of champagne and things like that. When they close, like let's, let's be intentional. Um, Things they actually can use and, and, and value. And so I think if I were, when I talk to other realtors who are, okay, what do I need to do to consistently market to my clients? My first thing always is the homeowner anniversary. And around the 11 month mark is usually when most home warranties are up. So that's when we're usually reaching out to our clients to say, hey, your home warranty's up. In January and February, you're reminding them of their homestead exemption. In March and April, you're teaching them how to protest their taxes. Like again, you're always being of value. When rates drop, I usually kind of figure out, okay, which are all my past clients that locked in around 4% last year, because now rates are at 3%, they should refinance, I'm going to send them this how to refinance your home email. And so just things like that, that will help them, you know, save money, Mm -hmm. or, you know, tips, but yes, homeowner anniversary is usually the first one. And then uh, we give a gift at like five year or like we do the one year that they're, um, if they value it, there's some you know, some of my single fellow bachelors, like, do not want a watercolor painting of their house. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah. I was so, and I, you know, what's funny is I remember looking at your post knowing you gave that. And so I was so excited to get ours. And so that's yeah. a whole nother marketing concept. It's like, oh, we should go with her because then we get this like cute painting. <laughs> well, it's also what I also love about it, though, is um, Sarah, the girl who does the watercolors, that is her small business in Austin. And so that, I love that even more. Yeah. Supporting a client, another client. Oh no, Molly is, I don't know if you can hear Molly barking. If so I apologize. It's okay. She sees a, a cat out the window or something. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I try to do things like that. Or I have clients who I like love feng shui. And when somebody else is into it, I'll usually send them a book. 
or something. I'm like, oh, you want to know more about feng shui? Here you go. Um, <laughs> I just like sharing. I, I typically just like sharing and connecting. Um, birthdays, yes. Birthday cards are great. Um, and then we just delivered pies to people who referred us this year. And then what else? Um, oh, and then around Christmas time, we just started doing it last year, but we started doing ornaments. I work with quite a few home, first home time buyers. So I love kind of having an, a, an ornament that's like my first home. Cause somebody got me that when I bought my first house and I was like, this is such a great like gift idea. I need to start mm -hmm. doing this for my clients. So yeah. And then what advice would you give to someone who's like wanting to be a real estate agent? Who's like, I want to start to be a real estate agent tomorrow. What would you tell them? I feel like the first question I would ask is why? Because if it's, it's a, if it's all about the money, then this is not the industry for them. And it's not like, it's very deceiving. Like, yes, you can make a lot of money in real estate, but people are like, people are typically getting into real estate because they think they can make great money and it's really flexible. <laughs> it's like, eh, you're flexible around everyone else's schedule. Um, or sometimes I think people don't understand the reality of working for themselves, which I know you can relate to. Yeah. So, but my, I think my first advice would be like, yeah, why, what are your like true reasons and how are you like kind of, what do you think your game plan is for getting there? And I think my second word of advice would be hop on a team and be consistent. So, you know, I, and, like with anything, don't try to adopt too much at once, right? Like just in when you were talking about marketing, like everything I've done, it's like, oh, I did constant contact newsletters forever. I still do them, but I just don't do them monthly now. And then it's like, then I started with my homeowner anniversary. Then I added in birthday cards. Then I added in, you know, Thanksgiving pies, things like that. It just, it's slowly going to build over time. But if you try to do it all, all the time, you're going to drop, you're going to kind of easily fail at that right mm -hmm. I kind of think of it as a diet like it's easier to just say I'm not going to eat after 8 p.m and I don't really like diet so I don't know why I'm comparing it to it but it's like <laughs> saying I'm not going to eat after 8 p.m but it's not if you can't do the like I and I'm not going to have any sugar or do this or do that or I'm not going to eat breakfast in the morning it's just like when you try to do it all at once it's too much so you just have to start small and that will grow um, so that would be my advice for kind of new, new agents that I've, I've talked to a couple of them. I think the key, the getting on the team thing has more to do with where opportunities are coming from. You get your first deal and then it's like, well, who's going to look over your contract to make sure you're doing a good job or give you advice and, you know, make sure you're not getting sued that like, those are important things. Like, so you're helping people buy a very expensive asset and there's a lot of liability there. So yeah, that's why I think being on the team is important too. I agree. Those are great. That's great advice. Where, so I know we're going to pivot a little bit. So investment yeah. properties. Mm -hmm. How did you get into that? When did you get your first one? If you can kind of talk about that. So it's, it's interesting. I, I will cor not correct you because it's not necessarily wrong, but it's not as if I buy a bunch of, I'm going to air quote, investment properties. Mm -hmm. I bought my first house and then I really wanted a pool. And there's a lot of pools in my current neighborhood. And I feel like I just kept saving. I'm just 
constantly kind of I'm always saving for my next buy, right? And so saving money and I kind of put out there in the universe and I even sent out postcards in my neighborhood. Hi, I'm looking for a house with a pool. Do you know of one? And when I put it, <laughs> so you know, do, you want, do you want to sell me your house? Like I was like, I will save you money because I'm in real estate and we can do this deal off market. I mean, I was you know, walking the neighborhood and I'd look and be like, Oh, I need to write down that address. They have a pool in their backyard. <laughs> that is the funniest thing I've ever heard. I know. I was just obsessed. And so then um what happened? But like a yearish later, after buying my first house, a lot of good things happened on that first house. So I bought that house and I put this a lot is of the money one in- I spray tanned you guys at, right? No, that's actually my third property. Okay. (laughs) So the first one is up by the domain. And I bought that one in 2015. And when I bought that house, um, Rock Rose at the domain hadn't opened yet. Like the domain hadn't totally exploded yet, but it was still, the values were going up. I remember being in multiple offers on my house and being like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm paying this much money. Oh my God, am I going to be able to afford it? And then, um, Within a couple months, I did like exterior landscaping and paint and scraped the popcorn ceilings and did some built-ins. And right before the election um, in 2016, I refinanced because rates dropped. And um, and it, so I got, I think my interest rate on that house was below 3%. It was before, I guess, was that Obama? No, Trump. Yeah. I was like, not that long ago. Anyway, <laughs> and uh so I just did really well because when it reappraised, it went up about 50K in equity. So I, I'm also a big proponent for living in a house and slowly fixing it up versus, you know, dumping all your cash into it like I'm doing right now. So that was first property. Second property, I had put out there to the universe that I wanted a house with a pool. And I worked with a lender at the time who flipped houses as well. He said, oh, I have a house with a pool coming up. Check back with me in September. So I'm literally in Europe on a vacation with a girlfriend. And I remember, I don't know if I put it in my calendar or what, but I woke up that day and I was like, oh, I need to see if Brad won that house in that auction. <laughs> and he did. And so I was like, well, don't do anything with that house. I think I want to buy it. And so I closed in November on that house and I rented out my first house. And the hardest part in Austin is really breaking even. It's, it's, it's cash flowing on a rental property because our tax, our property taxes are so high. So you have the homestead exemption on that first property, but then your, you know, when you move your, your taxes shoot up a little bit. So I remember kind of just breaking even on my first, my first rental for a little bit um, until I got to charge a little bit more on the second tenant. But um, the second property was the pool house and it was a full remodel. So obviously you pay a lot more for the properties that are already totally fixed up. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm spending this much money. Like it's not going to go up that much more. I just can't like this market's already so crazy. And then here we are. <laughs> I know. And it's already gone up a hundred K since I bought this one. Well, so, same with our house. It's gone up mm-hmm. so much. A house in our neighborhood just sold for 400. Yes. It's nuts. The market is crazy. Um, and while I'll touch on that, then the third property, I feel like it just had a little bit of a midlife crisis and was like, I want to move east. I want to be closer to my friends and downtown. And I was hanging out with a lot of my east side friends. And so I really did enjoy living there. But then once quarantine hit, I decided 
I'm going back to the pool house <laughs> because I want a nice backyard with a pool. So, which I'm really glad and the space. Um, so, so yeah, I would, I don't know if I'm necessarily buying investment properties are real is real estate assets. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm, I do well on them. I at least break even with, I always kind of say in Austin, you're doing pretty well. If you can get the rental value to be, to break even in terms of covering your monthly insurance taxes and interest. The thing you have to start accounting for is when things start getting old and breaking. I mean, I'm just waiting for a call any day now that AC at my first house is going to be out. So, you know, just kind of pay attention to your expenses spent on the properties. Typically if you can do $300 or more per month, you're doing pretty well in Austin. That's my kind of theory on that. And why do you rent and not do Airbnb? Oh, yeah. Um, So I did do, when I first lived in the the pool house, the second property, I Airbnb'd out two guest rooms. And then I do Airbnb out the whole house when I travel. So when I typically travel, um, I have a whole blog on this too. Um, I have locks on certain doors. So my office, my garage, and my master closet. And then I have a bunch of sheets that are just for guests and a bunch of sheets that are just for me. And I just kind of switch everything out. I have all my rules and Wi-Fi passwords and stuff in a frame. I pop that up there. And so, yes, I did that with my first guest room in my very first house. I would, I was so surprised. It's like, oh, people are really going to rent this room? And they sure did. And it was funny because I started out with like being like $15 a night with an air mattress in that room. And then I made, a, <laughs> and then I got a few reviews and I made a little money and then I bought a bed for it. And then I, you know, just kept growing and growing. And so in 2016, yeah, 2017, I finally paid off the rest of my student loans with all my Airbnb income. That's amazing. At first, at first my Airbnb income was for travel, right? I would stick it in this fund I had called travel funds and I would, Airbnb would pay for, you know, um, bills here and there, but honestly, I just stuck it in my savings account. And then I was like, what am I doing? I have debt. I need to pay off my debt. (laughs) So I paid off all my, my student loans. It was only like 10 K left, but it was good to like have that paid off and not have that debt. So, and then to this day, even this house, um, the reason I like strong solid renters this is just steady number one you don't have to furnish the place so already you don't have to spend money on that number two you don't have to spend a lot of time managing it answering questions um paying somebody else to manage it or the fees so whenever i and that's something i like to teach my clients too is just like how to be a good landlord because you can manage property yourself and it is nice to have a pulse on your property it's much more difficult if you're far away but if you're local i usually tell people you're going to save yourself some money just by managing this yourself. Meet the tenants, go walk, do a walkthrough of the house, tell them your expectations, you know, set up the account. And we typically will help them with like the, the lease and the background checks and things like that. But I find the income is just more consistent. And I also give my tenants a break. So if they pay me before the first of every month, they get a $10, $20 discount on their rent. So it's just nice. Like it hits every time I have it on auto draft, like everybody, you know, pays up. If they have an issue, they have my cell. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this the fence is broken. Okay, let me get my guy. So um, I just find the income to be more consistent and stable. So that's why I prefer long-term renters. But Airbnb is a great way for any homeowner 
to to make a little extra extra but you do have to like people I have a whole blog like if you don't like people this isn't for you (laughs) (laughs) and then right now you're currently working on renovating a house can you talk about that purchase maybe explain to people who don't follow you on Instagram what you're doing right now yes okay so of course I mean I'm always looking even though it's not the best market to buy in, but it's not not the best market to buy in, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm always kind of looking, had a lot of money saved, and I just so happened to pull up a house for a client. I I was looking for a four-bedroom with a pool for a client. And I just like, I mean, I didn't even limit the area or the price. I was just like, what's out there? And there were like five houses. So one of them happened to be the one I ended up buying. I I just was looking through the pictures. I'm like, huh, that's kind of cool. Oh, it's in one of my favorite neighborhoods. And then I, I drove by it a couple days later when I was in that neighborhood, just kind of thinking on the back end. And then I toured it and I just saw the vision. I was like, ooh, can knock down this wall and open up that. And, um, and you know, rates are super low. And so I decided to, I ran the numbers and I made an offer and oh man, he was really stubborn and I was a little stubborn. And we went back and forth and then it all of a sudden it was mine and I'm really fortunate and I wouldn't normally recommend it, but, um, I'm fortunate that I bought from somebody who is also in real estate. So he let me do a lot of the work prior to closing, which is unheard of. And I, again, would never really recommend. So that helped me get a jump start on the remodel. I've definitely learned a lot, but I've been itching for a project for a long time. So it's kind of interesting how things come into fruition. Like, just like the pool house, right? When I was like, I really want a pool. I really want a pool. I have been saying that I've wanted to flip a house for a long time. I just didn't want to pay cash for the house. But mm-hmm. I didn't want to borrow hard money and, and do 14%. So I will probably, I'm about probably going to live in this one for a little bit. We'll see. I don't know. I have options, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So you're not sure if you're going to just sell it right away or live in it? I don't think I would sell it right away. I did a homeowner occupied like home loan, basically. So, I mean, you have to have intent to live there. There's not really rules on how long you live there or anything. But my intent is to live there. I mean, it's it's a great house. I don't know why I really wouldn't. Um, So, yeah. What is the remodel process like? Like, how is that going? How are you finding contractors? I am fortunate because a lot of the contractors I find are kind of word of mouth from my colleagues. Um, for example, just the other day, I, I searched this super long thread of all of a bunch of colleagues who have updated windows in their home and they were all making great recommendations. PS, I take a lot of those recommendations and who I've worked with or who my clients have worked with and I have a spreadsheet. So when a client says, I need a guy for blah, 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 I send them the link to the spreadsheet. It's a Google file. It's live. And I update things as I go to like, oh, this is a new vendor I like, a new plumber I like. I'll add him to my plumbing list. Or, the, you know, or this guy sucks. Don't work with him. I'll make oh, a note on there. Can you please share that him. with us? <laughs> we <laughs> <Yeah>. need this list. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, so, yeah, I found a contractor and I got a few to bid like what is the pro- the process is so interesting i wish if i could go back now i i wish i had more patience but i don't <laughs> <laughs> i probably would have um ordered everything i needed beforehand but instead i've been winging it as i go which just adds a lot of decision fatigue and exhaustion 
but I got a little clarity um, yesterday, but I started off with an architect. So, and then the architect also typically will kind of partner up or be involved with an engineer. And if you're taking out any walls or doing something major like that, you do want an engineer. So I made sure he looked at, we're taking out a huge wall, a load bearing wall, and we're putting in a beam, an LVL beam that like supports this wall. And so it's interesting how what you think it's going to look like and then versus what it can, what it actually has to look like. I wanted the beam flushed and like hidden in the attic. That wouldn't happen because of the way it just, it has to go. Right. Mm -hmm. So it it, like some advice I would give on, on remodeling is you kind of have to be flexible or if you can, if you can't be flexible, then you have to be patient and you have to have like, if you, if you're prepared to wait and map everything out, and like get the plans and buy all the the things you need. For example, the contractor I'm using also, I told him, I'm like, I have some painters I really love and I have, and they'll do the drywall and I have a cabinet maker I really love. Are you willing to let me use them with your, because most GCs have all their own guys that they want to use, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, we have a plumber, we have an electrician because they're going to make a little bit of money off of those trades too. But um, we, he, he agreed. He's like, yeah, we can use some of the people you want. So it's just also managing that and timing it. And okay, wait, are you going to do that first? Or do I need to call him over? Or it just goes back and forth all the time. So And then it seems like you're like in a rush. Are you in a rush because you want to get it done? Because you're just like, what? I'm is in the- a rush because I'm super impatient. <laughs> 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 no, not only am I impatient, but pretty soon I'm going to start paying the mortgage. I have to start paying the mortgage come December 1. So okay. That's just more carrying costs because I'm not going to be moved. I'm not living in the house. So you just kind of have to factor in that the you know, mortgage and taxes and your utility bills that you're paying on, on an empty house that's not yeah. making any income right now. So I will do really well on my current house once I move out of it and rent it out. But it's like, I get these costs I'm carrying. So Yeah. Yeah. But I've, I've but so far, like knock on wood, <laughs> hasn't ha- I haven't had a whole lot of issues. Um, and I feel like I keep waiting for the shoe to drop because I've seen enough HGTV, but I do want to remind people. <laughs> That's not that real, right? It's it's not real. Like, okay. you know, or just when people are like, oh, I want to do all this and that. I'm like, yeah, that's great. I don't know if I would do that for resale or sometimes it's like, yeah, that's going to take about a month. You know, it looks like it's two weeks on, on television. So we're actually on time with everything. I, you know, there's a saying that goes, um, whatever the contractor tells you, uh, double the budget and triple the timeline. So I kind of already, like I had a whole spreadsheet figured out of like how much I thought windows were going to be, how much plumbing was going to be. And a lot of my numbers are under that. And then of course I thought I was going to spend 500 on backsplash and I spent 1200 on backsplash. So (laughs) the costs are, are evening out. Yeah. When so. is it supposed to be done? Yeah, great question. I'm not sure. I think my goal is like February-ish. But here's the problem too. I thought in my mind this was going to be a phase-by-phase project because I obviously didn't want to spend all my cash up front. But as you get going, it's like one thing after another. And the prime example, as I said, I'm just going to remodel the like kitchen and living room and like laundry area and put flooring there. Then I'll move in and live in the half of the house. Nope, that's all out the window now. As soon as they did the scrape the ceilings and like trash the floors and they take out stuff, I'm like, well, 
I might as well just put in flooring and everything. And if you're gonna do flooring, well, it's like, well, I might as well just go ahead and do all new trim and baseboards, you know? Mm. So it's just, and then it's like, when you do that, I'm like, well, you know what? I also could really use some new doorknobs and ceiling fans <laughs> and the, and the money and the hemorrhaging money just be like goes on and on and on. So, um, it's fine. It's, it's like, I don't know, something again, I don't think I'd want to move in and still have some of that stuff not done, but mm-hmm. so it is, it's just kind of like, it is what it is. And I'm okay with rolling with the punches. Yeah. Well, but, like you said, like live, you recommend living in while renovations are going on. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend that if you don't have a child, <laughs> if you have a child, it is a nightmare. Yes. I think I would a hundred percent agree. I think like, I think little things like, Oh, you know, you're doing a shiplap wall here and there changing out fixtures, painting, not, it's not too bad, but when you're talking kitchen, bathroom, Ooh, that is some rough stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. one of my clients and actually she's the one that I kind of got my inspo from because her layout was the same in her kitchen as the kitchen I'm remodeling. And, you know, she worked, the, the good news is you can be patient while you live in the house in the sense of you get a real feel. And, and we talked about this with her, like she had a real feel for how they want to use, use the space, how they currently use the space, what's missing. And, and then she like, you know, got a cabinet maker to start working on the plans, talked to the remodeler. And so everything, you know, she wasn't losing any money because she didn't have to make quick decisions because she already ordered the lamps and the tile and the cat, like talked to a countertop guy already had the plans out. Whereas the harder part of closing on a remodel, it's like you have those 30 days while you're getting all your loan stuff together and, and tracking down an architect and finding all the stuff you want to do and hiring your contractors. It's a lot in that, in that quick period. So, yeah. And then you also love to travel. Mm-hmm. How do you balance that and work? How do you, because you're pretty much sometimes don't have signal, right? So um, kind of going back to the very beginning of our conversation of like, what does success look like to me? And honestly, what does sanity look like to me? I work every day. Like I am connected all the time. I will be on a walk and I'll answer a text. I will be you know, on vacation and I'll answer an email or text. And I decided I don't want to live my life like that anymore. I don't think really anybody should think that's just like, you know, America at times. Mm -hmm. So the traveling is definitely like a hobby and a break. I haven't had enough of it this year. I've definitely felt the effects of not like having this break. So the whole point of having a team is that if everyone knows what's going on and we have a team number, we have a team email, and I'm properly training and educating them, then everyone's still taken care of if Ashley's not there, you Mm -hmm. know? So when I like think about what does success look like to me, like success looks like, yes, financial freedom for sure. But, um, and also, I mean, they help me, but I want to help them. Like I really enjoy seeing my teammates also hit goals or learn something new or I love giving bonuses like we did great this quarter yay money for everyone (laughs) (laughs) so it it feels good to also like lead them but it's um and but also I want them to have time off so by working together you know there's a quote if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together and I kind of think that's you know like when for example Sydney this weekend was out of town. I'm like, 
don't worry about it. Have a good time. And Tasha's like, I'm going to work on this list on Friday. And I'm like, honestly, it's going to be quiet. I'm pretty sure it'll be quiet. Don't work that hard. Like we all deserve a break because I think that's, that's just entrepreneur, like entrepreneurship. Eh, you just don't ever stop. And I get it. There are times that I definitely choose to not stop. And then there's definitely times that I'm trying to be out and disconnected. And then, you know, I, the, the phone doesn't stop buzzing. And then it's like, oh, six missed calls and three text messages. And it's just, it doesn't stop sometimes. So it's tricky mm -hmm. to, ba it's tricky to balance it all. How, I guess the, that wasn't really part of the question. The question was if I, how do I balance it? I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, but I'm working on it is probably the best answer to figure out. Yeah, it's a hard balance. It's, I don't ever turn off. It drives Jonathan nuts. It's going to eventually drive Braxton nuts. Mm -hmm. who's my son it's hard it's like right now I have dms because I'm trying to rent out that room in two days because I'm worried yeah. about and I'm thinking about those dms I need to respond to when I need to go downstairs and make dinner and probably disconnect you yes. have my mother-in-law in town too so it's like but oh know, man that room rented out you know it is I I highly recommend the book burnout I just recently read that one um, how to like end your stress cycle I also loved untamed by Glennon Doyle this I year I love that one yeah it's just amazing how I get it. Like it, we're almost wired to be these productive human beings, but sometimes it's like, it's okay. Like I have to give myself permission and it's really hard. Yeah. Cause or I, I just, feel like I lose that momentum. Yes. I lose momentum or I'm just like, I look back, for example, yesterday was a very chill day, even though I had two appointments and answered a few things, then I chilled the rest of the evening and I felt so lazy. And it's like, mm -hmm. it is not lazy to rest. Like, I and I too. think, yeah, I think it's just, or I, I hate when I'm, I want, I'm, I get in these creative periods of thinking of things or ideas and it's always at the worst time, right? Like right before bed is it's a lot for me. The evening times is usually when my creative juices are flowing and I'm like, man, I really want to unwind. And it's, I think it's okay to not have to feel like, you know, I have to work from nine to five. I think if you have to do some things late at night, great as long as you got out and like went for a walk earlier in the day or took time to like meditate or read. And I say that like I do those things, I don't, but I am really slowly incorporating them into my life because I do want more balance and sanity. Um, yeah, so I started making non-negotiable commitments to myself. And when I use that term, it just kind of resonates with me because it's like non-negotiable is I read for a half, I read a chapter a night for sure. And then awesome. I work out, I try to do it every day. Those are like non-negotiable. Yes. I guess that's negotiable in my workout one, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like the workout one though, too. Um, I mean, this is a different topic I could talk hours about too, but like as long as the workout one is more for like clearing your head and like feeling good and it's not as a punishment, like, oh, I, yeah. you know what I, I mean? I don't like, work it's out like... too. I stopped doing that. I'm working out to lose weight because it just never mm -hmm. works. I work out right. to feel good and I feel powerful, especially with on the Peloton. Wow. Yes. If you finish one of those half an hour workouts, I swear I can conquer anything in the world. <laughs> it's like, you're just, I, it's funny. Cause right before we got on here, I just did a Peloton workout. I love, I, I'm not a huge at home worker outer. I think I thrive with like, you know, in classes or groups, but obviously we made some adjustments this year with 2020 quarantine, but it, it's definitely helped for sure. Yeah. I love working out at home, especially with my son. Cause it's just like, it's just so convenient. There's no other it's way. Quicker. No, I know. Yeah. Cause it's like, when you think about 
because I do still, I go to a, the, the gym up the street, but it's like, okay, 15 minutes to get there. And you got to mm-hmm. wake up this, it's really a two hour process. Oh, then yeah. you shower versus, um, okay, I'm just gonna hop on the Peloton and then I'm going to start dinner or whatever. So that's, well, nice. and I utilize his nap times, like those, his nap times. And when he goes to bed, like that's my work hour, that's my workout hour. Good. I think that's important. I find that I think what a lot of times ends up happening with a lot of women is like, it becomes cleanup time and do all these other things. And it's like prioritizing yourself, especially for women, it's just more challenging. And I, yeah. I wish I would have learned it at a, at a young age, but I've always been kind of going back to like, you know, I get my validation. I feel good, you know, hitting my goals and helping all these people. And like, you know, obviously being liked or whatever and getting to know people, it's exciting, but it's also like, I need a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and everyone deserves a break. So yes. Where do you see yourself in five years from now? Oh, I didn't like this question. This is my favorite <laughs> question. Cause like everything you're going on, got going on right now. Like where do you see Ashley in five years from now? I'm well, excited Ashley, to see that Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley is single right now and I do want a relationship. And I would say what I've really kind of switched the gear on focusing on this year. I mean, obviously I focused on my business, right? And making some changes here and there, um, some, some small tweaks, but I've kind of focused on a little bit of my like interper- interpersonal self as well. So in five years, I hope that I'm in a relationship, maybe kids, maybe not, I guess it'll just depend on what's on the cards. Um, it's really hard to say because as, um, you'll have to take the quiz on my profile, that saboteur quiz, because it talks about um, what like sabotages us. And mine is my hyperachiever status. And my second one is restlessness. And so I say that I want to do all these things because I get restless, but then my hyperachiever status like overcomes that. So as much as I still want to be selling real estate and being at the top at Realty Austin and like kind of always pushing past my number from the year before, there is a big part of me that hopes that I get to a spot where it's like more, I guess, contentment and peace in my life Mm -hmm. and maybe a few more projects um, like the remodel, depending on how this one goes. Maybe I'll want to do it again. Maybe I'll never will. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Well, that's exciting. I hope you find those things because you deserve it. And I know it's hard when you are successful, not being that successful or putting time towards something else what that'll take away from that yeah I think um um I appreciate that thank you it's it's so it's so hard because it's like if I'm being honest I want it all like don't Mm -hmm. we all right yes yeah I want to you know I want to feel good and I want to look good and I want to make money and I want to have friends and I don't want to have any like I want everything to be I don't want to use the word perfect because that doesn't exist but you know just want like happiness but it's like that's just not the truth like that's just not how life is but I can certainly get a lot of um joy from it as well so I feel like a lot of that is more of me focusing on relationships and connections and versus work 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 all the time yeah and then a little bit about the Austin market just to finish things up where do you see it going I literally had a friend who put her house on the market and that day it sold for 60k over asking and they got two months free lease back yes so (laughs) insane um, not uncommon very much 
I don't see the Austin market going anywhere, um, anywhere but up, to be honest. I think that with quarantine being longer than a lot of people thought and a lot of um, companies saying, all right, we're just going to go ahead and work from home for until forever or indefinitely or until next year. What, what that has done, or at least in my experience, I have more California clients that I've ever worked with. Including us. Here, <laughs> which is fine. Well, um, Californians, um, Chicago, New York, I've had clients from kind of all over relocating here. And a lot of them are coming back. Like I, we used to live in Austin. Now we're back. We're in the Bay Area, but it's like, why pay that much when we can own a house? Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm seeing where I've, I've actually had a little trouble this year or, is the condo market. Um, more people wanted green space and backyards this year. And then you have, you know, talks of Tesla, you have Apple, you have Amazon. And just, I just, honestly, we just keep topping. We always have since forever, all these lists of fastest growing and best places for families and best place for dogs and best place for, um, dating for some reason. (laughs) I hear the opposite. My clients that I spray tan say, this is the worst place to date. It is the worst place to date. I will, I will concur with them. That's why. Um, I was being a little sarcastic on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a lot of young people here. So, yeah. Um, a lot of young driven people, I guess I should say, but also people who don't want to settle down. Mm-hmm. But I think, yes, I think that the demand has gone up significantly. And so, you know, that makes, it just makes it that much tougher. It's a very tough very tough for our buyers right now. I mean, we're doing all sorts of things to try to find off market properties. And then we, it's a lot of coaching, like, are you prepared to pay this much more? And (laughs) there's not really any deals, right? So I kind of say like, the deal is winning the house. Like you got a house, that's part of the deal. Like you're not really going to get, or if I have had a lot of clients who surprisingly have had, um, got more equity, like their appraisal came back and I'm like, Hey, that's pretty great. Like the, you know, that's not all clients are that fortunate because I'll, I'll see a house listed. And I'm like, can you share with me your comparables? Because this is about 25 K over the market for this neighborhood. And then two days later, it's already in multiples. So everyone's willing to overpay in this market because they need a house. Yeah. I, me and Jonathan talk about how fortunate we are when we, we bought and we did, Mm -hmm. it was only a few months before COVID. Yep. And then crazy. Yeah. And we almost didn't buy because we're like, okay, well, we might want more cash than ju- and yeah. just rent. We'll have more security. But thank God no. we would not have been able to afford a house now. We, we well, were even priced out of our own neighborhood that we bought in. And this is like a low end neighborhood that we're in. And it's, um, well, and those, that's the thing. Those are usually the most competitive, right? Because you have more buyer pool. You have, and you're up against more investors. So, um, you know, with the, the, I think the median home price is like 405 right now for the greater Austin area. But if you looked at city of Austin alone, I'm pretty sure it's well above like five. So just finding something central, just, yeah, just a little tough. So do you find more people are moving right outside of Austin? You deal with outside of Austin as well, right? Mm-hmm. I do. I mean, I kind of deal with, I always say like, I'll go wherever my people go as long as, you know, I can access the house. So we sell in Georgetown, Cedar Park, Leander, Kyle, Buda, Austin, East Austin, Lakeway. I think um, totally depends on the clientele, but yes, Williamson County is still doing great. I mean, I'm pretty sure Round Rock and I just looked at a chart yesterday showing like the average list price to sales price. And I think 
uh, Round Rock was like 101%. Like basically nothing was selling below list price. And those were averages. Mm -hmm. So that was just nuts. So yeah, the market's just on fire. And North Austin, you know, just has a little bit more, there's more tech up here. Mm -hmm. And then you have the domain. And then of course you have, um, and then Round Rock is just so family focused. So yes, a lot of people are still moving on the outskirts, especially because that's what they can afford. You know, if you're trying to find a home for 300K in Austin, it's it's getting a lot tougher right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, well, well, thank you so not, much for not coming to be, on. Not to end on a negative note of like, Austin's really tough to buy in. <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> but anyway. But yeah, so thank you for... Um, I don't know. It's such good information. I feel like I could talk to you forever. I love chatting about like life, real estate, all, all of that. Obvious. It's pretty obvious from social media. I love like, you know, sharing things and learning things from other people. So thank you for thinking real estate agent, you know, like real estate, like no matter what you've got to have to know some information about it. If you ever want to buy a house. Pretty much. Yep, that's, it's and that's our, everyone's goal is to buy a house in their lifetime. So, yep. Um, well, thank you for having me on. And yeah. Chatting. Where can everyone follow you on social media? Wow. Great question. I heart the ATX. How original. Um, <laughs> all one word. And then, um, yeah, I heart just can't forget the ATX. So it's not Perfect. I heart ATX, but yes. So, awesome. but thank you. Thank you so much. You have a great rest of your night and the audience is going to love this one. (laughs) This is a good one. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Don't Call Me Girl Boss. Every week I interview a new woman small business owner and we go over the struggles of owning a business, what her story is, and so much more. Please, if you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. And just thank you again for listening. And if you are interested in nominating someone, please go ahead and go to the website, don'tcallmegirlboss.com, and there is a nomination form for you to fill out. Thank you again. Bye.